Well, good morning. You know, it's interesting as I was praying about walking up here today, and, and you know, it's strange to be in an empty room, but as I, I, as I think about it, uh, though there's an empty room, we really do have a packed church today. Uh, it was so amazing to, just before I came down into the uh, worship center, I was looking, uh, I was walking through the offices and they were prepared to receive calls and things like that today. And, and uh, Mark Musser's Sunday school class was on Zoom. And it was just such a surreal moment because Mark had uh, the Zoom call with all of his people up, but then he also had a flannel graph that they were using to teach. So it was like old and new coming together. And, and you know, on a day like today, I'm thankful for um, Chad Balthrop, for our, our worship arts team, for our, our technology team that is uh, behind the scenes, and, and, and Mike and Helen DeClue, as they have worked tirelessly this week, making sure that our cameras and our streaming were, were ready to go, and, and I'm so thankful for them and, and their work. And, and you know, it's amazing how God is using their gifts how they are using their gifts to serve the Lord and, and have prepared our church for a moment like this. And you know, on, on a day like today, I keep thinking also, it's such an unprecedented time. And think about this, that God has called us to live in this moment. That God has called us to be the church at this time in history. That God could have called, any, called us to live at any time in the history of the world. But yet on this unprecedented day, a day that we can't, I can't call another pastor or another person and say, hey, what'd you do last time in a moment like this? I can't do that. Because here we are in, in this unprecedented day that God has called us to be the church in a time of, of such uncertainty. And, and, I, and I pray that we are faithful. And look, God has prepared us for this day. And so let's trust him as we, as we uh, move forward. The only thing that's difficult today for me as I preach is I'm not able to hear Jim Coley or, or Steve Kenneman bust out an amen for me. Uh, and, and I know you, you may do it online. I'm not sure if that's going to have the same effect for me. So, uh, but, but we'll adjust. I know it's just as difficult for you probably in your kitchen or you're in your living room or wherever you're sitting today uh, to get up on a day that's a, a pretty day and, and we, we, we're not gathering together. And here's what I'm praying. I'm praying that this really teaches us the value of coming together. Uh, because like Robin and I were talking this morning that, that we just miss seeing people that we love. And, uh, and I pray that God uses this time to, to help us understand the, the value of church, the beauty of church, the beauty of us being together as a body. And, and it's amazing what God has done in the history of our church and the life of our church as, as we've been in one church in two locations. Now two locations are coming together in one service. And I'm so thankful that God has expanded our, 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 our reach into Tulsa. And, and those that have been at Calvary for a long time, God has expanded their reach into Owasso. And, and here we are today on this unprecedented time. And, and, and you know, I, I pray that God uses this time to, to help us long to meet together. And, and I want to just give you just a, a, an update as w by way of, of, um, of just um, what our plan is this week. Uh, this week we're going to continue, and during this entire shutdown, we're going to continue an 11 a.m. service on Sunday morning that will be live. 
We're also going to add a live Wednesday evening service at 6.30. And it will be mainly a time of teaching. And, and it will be live as well at 6.30 on Wednesday nights. Uh, then Rob Lewis is starting a group, a Zoom group on Thursday nights. Uh, Chad Balthrop is going to continue to host different staff members as they uh, uh, are doing a daily podcast. So make sure you uh, download that podcast. This is a time to start some new uh, technological habits. I mean, check out that podcast. You can find that podcast wherever podcasts are found in any one of your phones or apps. So check that out on a daily basis. We'll also be producing some videos that we'll send by email and and put on social media. So I just want you to know about about those things. Um, uh, Also, I'm grateful for Brad Ayler. He's going to be working with many of our group leaders as they kind of follow Mark Musser and their group's uh, plan of, of doing Zoom calls. I know many of you are hosting Facebook groups right now, and we are grateful. And we'll just have to get good at some of these technological things that may be outside of our comfort zone. But we can do it, and uh, God's going to use it in a big way. And, you know, right now, I want us to engage a little bit. And, and so let's, let's, like Chad said earlier, let's kind of get rid of those distractions. Let's get our Bibles out. Let's open up the Word, and, and let's, let's engage the Word today. Uh, it's different for all of us, but look, we, we're in it together. And let's, let's engage the scripture today. So as we do that, I want us to pray and just seek the Lord. So would you uh, pray with me right now? Lord Jesus, Lord, we come to you on a day like we've never had at First Baptist Owasso or at our Calvary campus. We've never had a day like this today. But Lord, this is a day that uh, in the midst of all the questions, the uncertainties, Lord, your word has something to say to us. And even though we are seeking to connect with one another in a way that we've never done before, Lord, we trust you. Lord, use this time in our lives, in our nation, in our state, in our world, Lord. We, we, we pray that you would use this time. Lord, may, may, this is a time that we need to walk with you, that we as a body need to be close to you. That we as believers need to come near to you and be be a witness for you. Lord, you have called us to these days. So, Father, I know that you've prepared us in the past with our past. And so, Lord, we, we trust you with today. And we know that you hold tomorrow. And so, Lord, may we be attentive to your voice. And even in the next few minutes as we engage your word, would you speak to us in a clear way? Thank you for your word, Lord. We need you in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 31. And, uh, and you know what's interesting is I, as I wrestled through what we should do today and how we should uh, proceed today, I, I'm continually amazed at the Word of God and how, how God has, had led us. Months ago, we had gotten on our knees. I had gotten on my knees and said, Lord, what do you have for us moving into 2020? And God clearly led me to the book of, of Samuel, First and Second Samuel. And, um, and so, you know, as I wrestled with, should I punt on what we've been, where we've been in the Word, or should I stay on track with where God has us? Um, God just <clears throat> continued to move me to where we are, where God has us. Because it's not a mistake that we are in the book of Samuel. First Samuel. And our plan today, let me just kind of tell you our plan. Uh, we're going to finish the book of First Samuel today 
Starting next week, we're going to prepare for Easter in a three-week series called The Week That Changed the World. And um, that's been our plan, and we're going to continue with the plan that God has led us to. And, and uh, so, you know, honestly, it's, it's likely we will be experiencing an Easter like we've never experienced before. Um, we're definitely not having Passion Week and those things because of, uh, of, of these new restrictions that we are under. But, but, um, but I'll tell you, we're going to spend, starting next week, a series on the week that changed the world. And then after the Easter series, after Easter Sunday, we will come back into the book of 2 Samuel. Because I think the life of David has a lot to say to us. And so as we wrap up um, this morning in, in 1 Samuel, and I wrap up this, as we wrap up this book, I, I just want us to look back at, at 1 Samuel 25. And so, so we're going to read 1 Samuel 31 today, but before we jump into that, I want you to look at, at chapter 25 because it's important for us because this is a dark time in the nation of Israel. It's a dark time in David's life. It's a dark time in Saul's life. I mean, we're going to see the death of Saul today. But, but this is important because I think it's relevant to us because we're in a, a dark time in our world right now. And, and the children of Israel are facing a dark time. 1 Samuel chapter, chapter 25 starts with Samuel's death. Samuel dies. And that's a, that was the judge that they were looking to. That was their spiritual leader. And he died. It was a dark time, and, and the country's divided. You have David on the run. I mean, you remember, we, we've been looking at the problem of the, of the children of Israel in the book of Samuel. Remember, remember their greatest struggle is that, is that they were looking for their own king. They wanted a king like every other nation. And God had told them, no, you have one king, and it's me. It's the king of all kings. And folks, that's where we are. We have one king, and it's the Lord. And so often we have a tendency to look to earthly kings and, and earthly people for leadership or for comfort. And, and you know, God gives us leaders. I'm not saying leaders aren't important. But what I am saying is our trust is in the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords. And the problem with the people in Samuel is they were looking for their own king. Samuel dies. It's a dark time. And, and as you look at chapter 25, you see this, this reality. David is struggling. He's in a dark time. And, and he has this interesting interaction with Nabal and Abigail. And Abigail is this woman that eventually becomes his wife, but stops David and confronts David because he's about to act like Saul. He's about to go kill Nabal and all his, his, his men. Abigail stops him and and that's what chapter 25, it, it, it lays out. Chapter 26, you see Saul is still trying to kill David. Even though, even though uh, David had spared Saul's life and Saul apparently relents and repents from David, but he really doesn't because he, chapter 20, 26, he tries to kill David again. And what does David do? He spares Saul's life again in chapter 26. So interesting as you see David's trust in the Lord rather than taking matters into his own hands. He trusts the Lord. Then you see in chapter, chapter 27, David is in this dark time. Samuel's dead. David is on the run. And who does he run to? He runs to the Philistines, his enemy. They're the only ones that are going to help him in chapter 27. Then look at chapter 28. It's interesting. Chapter 28, you see this terrible moment of Saul's life. What does he do? He goes and he, he consults a medium 
the, the witch at Endor, and he consults her and seeks advice from her. And, and I'll tell you, uh, I, I, this is such a, an important, a, a devastating moment in Saul's life. And I, and I pray that we never underestimate the devastation of demonic activity. I mean, Saul is, is seeking the advice of demonic activity, and it's, it's, a, it's a tremendous error. And look, we serve the Lord, and Satan is attacking us, and we should never seek him. And that's what, that's what Saul does. And then in chapter 29, it gets worse for David. The Philistines turn against him. And, and in the midst of that turmoil, in chapter 30, David's trust in the Lord. God rescues him. And then we get to chapter 31. And this is the most, the low point in the nation of Israel, the low point in David's life. He's on the run, he's, he's struggling, Samuel's dead. And, and now I want us to read together chapter 31. And, and you know, as we, it's the last chapter in the book of Samuel. Now one of our practices when we are together is we stand in honor of God's word. So even though it's a different day, I, I want to ask you to stand with me. Get your Bibles open to 1 Samuel 31 and let's stand together and let's read the text because this is just another way that you and I can say, Lord, this is your word, and we just want to honor you, and we need your word for us today. So it says in verse 1, Now the Philistines fought against Israel, and the men of Israel fled before the Philistines and fell slain on Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines overtook Saul and his sons, and the Philistines struck down Jonathan and Abinadab and Malchishua, the sons of Saul. The battle pressed hard against Saul, and the archers found him. And he was badly wounded by the archers. And then Saul said to his armor-bearer, Draw your sword and thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and mistreat me. But his armor-bearer would not, for he feared greatly. Therefore Saul took his own sword and fell upon it. And when his armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead... He also fell upon his sword and died with him. Thus Saul died, and his three sons and his armor-bearer and all his men on the same day together. And when the men of Israel who were on the other side of the valley and those beyond the Jordan saw that the men of Israel had fled and that Saul and his sons were dead, they abandoned their cities and they fled. And the Philistines came and lived in them. The next day, when the Philistines came to strip the slain, they found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Gilboa. So they cut off his head, stripped off his armor, and sent messengers through the land of the Philistines to carry the good news to the house of their idols and to the people. And they put his armor on, in the temple of the Ashtoreth, and, and they fastened his body to the wall of Bethshan. But when the inhabitants of Jabez-Gilead heard what the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose and went all night and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshan. And they came to Jabesh and burned them there. And they took their bones and buried them under the tamarisk tree in Jabesh and fasted seven days. And this is the word of the Lord. And I know you said praise be to God and we're thankful for the word of God. Now if I'm going to summarize my prayer for this message for us today. Here's my prayer that I've been praying uh, as I've prepared this, as I've wrestled through this this week. 
The first thing is I pray that for those of us that are believers that are watching today, that we recognize and we see the faith of David. And when we learn from the, the way that David trusted the Lord in this really dark time. For those of you that may be watching today, and, and you're not a believer, and the Lord, you know that you're not saved. Christ is not in your life. Prayer that we learn, that you pay attention to the warnings of Saul, because he, this is a man who died without the Lord. And folks, we are living in a time that right now in the history of our, of our, of our city, of our state, of our, of our nation, and of our world, people are confronted this, confronting this reality of COVID-19 and the fact that I may die. Well, look, more than likely you're not going to get COVID-19, I, I would guess. But, but I'm still watching people at research this week wearing gloves and, and masks. And, and that's okay. Those, those are precautions that are good to take. But the reality is we're all going to walk through that door called death. All of us are. And so this time is so important because people are thinking about the end. And, you know, that's a good thing for all of us to live with the end in mind, to live with the reality that there will be a day that we will come to see Jesus. And so let's not miss the opportunity that God has given us to evaluate our days. And if you don't know the Lord today, you know, we have people waiting to talk to you right now. And so I pray that if the Lord speaks to you, that you reach out to us. But it's my prayer that we learn from David and, and let's work to connect God's word today. So, so when you looked at last week, if you were with us last week, we, we ended with, with David's encounter with Saul in the cave. And, and, and that was a moment that you see the, the heart of David. You see the, the, the heart of Saul because Saul was more concerned with his own reputation rather than, than really following the Lord. And, and, and David stands as this model for us, as this, as this godly man. He has this godly patience. And you see him waiting on the Lord. And that's something that I want us to recognize in the heart of David through this dark time. I mean, think about it. We've already looked at that Samuel had died and David's on the run and, and he, he's been promised the kingdom. And now Saul has died. Jonathan has died. David is devastated. But in the midst of the darkness, he's trusting the Lord. And one of the things that, that we see uh, point number one, and I want you to take notes today, so get a pen and, and take some notes today because point number one, I pray that we look at David and see how, where he is in the, at the end of Samuel and recognize that, that point number one is this, that trials taught David that God can be trusted. All these trials that David's going through, he is learning this incredible lesson that God can be trusted. God, you are faithful. I mean, I mean, just a few days ago, here we are in my family, we're trying to adapt to this uh, uh, new day of, okay, we got to be inside a little more. And my kids are going stir crazy. It's like the, the video that uh, one of my pastor's friends sent to me. You probably saw it. It's the, the guy that's going, uh, you have a choice to be uh, uh, quarantined with your wife and your son or B. And he just says, B, B, I want B. Uh, I get that. I mean, we, we, we're all kind of getting a little stir crazy. But as we were around the table, I asked my kids something. And this discussion happened around our table that was so sweet. And I want to encourage you. Let's take advantage of some conversations and some, some uh, reflection on the Lord. 
But I looked at my family. I said, tell me a time in your life that you learned that God could be trusted, that you learned to believe the Lord. And it was amazing as my, my, my kids, my future son-in-law, and, 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 and as we sat around the table and just talked about these moments where it was, it was difficult. And God brought us through. God helped us. God gave us strength. And it was some on mission trips that, that the Lord gave them words to say or, or provided for them to go. Or it was times in my life of tragedy when, when God just breathed life into me. And, you know, I want to challenge you today. Uh, when you have dinner or lunch today, you sit around with your family. Don't just turn the TV on and watch the news or something. Turn the news off. And let's, and let's have some conversations about when did you learn that God could be trusted? Because we will find, I bet you'll find like we found, that, that it's in those times of trials that, that God teaches us that we can be trusted. Let's think about this trial that we're in. I, I guarantee you. God is going to teach us through this trial that he can be trusted. And what, why, is that, why is that the case? Why are trials so valuable? Because uh, trials produce a crisis of belief for us. Trials produce this moment where we say, Lord, I've got to trust you. I've got to believe in you. And that's exactly where David is right now. The moment Saul dies, the, the, Samuel's dead, all, Jonathan's dead. He's running from the Philistines. And, and, and running from his own people. And God is teaching him, look, this crisis of belief is a moment where you understand God can be trusted. And that's why so many of the Psalms that we read, that we lean on in times of grief and trial, we lean on them because David wrote them at this time in his life when he's learning to trust the Lord. You know, let's be sure that, that God's faithful. And trials produce this crisis of belief. Let's remember this. Let's also remember that trials create opportunities to lean into the presence of God and the strength that he provides. That's what trials do. In trials, we get to lean into the presence of God. And this is a time we need to lean into his presence, trust his presence, and, and listen to him. This is a time to walk with the Lord, to come to the Lord. Uh, to lean into the Lord, to trust, to, 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 to recognize his presence in our lives. It's, it's a time to, to, to experience the strength that God provides. I mean, David, we see him leaning into the presence of God and, and, and trusting the Lord. And, and at, at the end of, of Samuel, you see God beginning in this transition that we'll see after Easter is that God then restores David as the king that he had chosen. And, and you know, when I think about us right now, this is why I, I wanted to stay where we are in the Word of God. God's using His Word to strengthen us, to prepare us. And let's not miss the fact that this is a work of God, that He's had us in the book of Samuel. It's not a work of man. I'm not that good, I'll be honest with you. I'm not that smart. But, but God's Spirit is at work. And I look right now at our church, that our church is, is, is that God has been preparing our church to, to get the mission up and running. And it's not a coincidence that, that, that we had this plan to move Brennan into the mission full time starting in 2020. Oh my goodness. The mission has a, a though Laura Gorell did a phenomenal job in a part-time role, we are now fully operational and the mission has taken food and we are preparing to help our community. You know, you know, and we are positioned to help our city and our community and those around us. 
Folks, this has been a work of God. And let's not, let's not miss the fact that God has been preparing us for this moment. And I love it that, uh, and, and what I know about the Lord, even in the midst of this dark time in David's life, God's preparing him. And here's how God prepared, what God provides. God provides his word and wise counsel of believers to help us stay on track. He did that with, in David's life with Samuel, with, with Abigail, with these fighting men that come around David. God provides help. And I just want you to know, even if you're, if you're struggling, the reason that we are in your life as, as your church is we're here to help you. We're to help, here to help one another. And God has called us together, called us to this community, this place. And I'll tell you, we are an army ready to respond. And that's a blessing. God provides his word for us and God's strengthening us through his word. God provides one another. And I want you to flip over. Look at Psalm 18. Because in Psalm 18, this is one of those psalms that David wrote as he was fleeing from Saul. And look at what he says in Psalm 18. It says, I love you, O Lord, verses 1 through 3. We're going to look at it, but the whole psalm is filled with this. But, and, and now remember, this is a time when David is fleeing from Saul. This is this moment. I love you, O Lord, my strength, he says. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. I am saved from my enemies. And when I look at this right now, we got to learn from David's lessons here and allow the Lord to be our strength in this time. When fear grips you, because I'll tell you, I, we feel it too. There are times that we feel fear. Every cough that we have. Oh no, do I have the coronavirus? If I have a runny nose, what are my symptoms? I'm taking my temperature. And let's not be gripped by fear. Let's recognize that the Lord is our strength. The Lord is the deliverer of our enemies. And I'll tell you, he, when you follow the Lord, when you trust the Lord, those of us that are, that are in Christ, let me remind you, that is a firm foundation. David articulates, the Lord is my rock. I take refuge in him. My shield, the horn of my salvation. That's this announcement that God has saved us and his believers. We need to announce to the world, look, God has saved us. And then we should call upon the Lord. We should praise the Lord, even for difficult times. You know what? I know that many of you that are watching right now, you know Christ as your Savior. And, and when, you're, when I'm saying these things, your heart is like, yes, I remember when God helped me. God is, has been faithful God, to our, with my past. God has strengthened me. But you know, there are some that are watching. And to be honest, you're like, I don't know that strength. I don't know that hope. Well, I want you to know you can. You can today. You can know that hope today. But I pray that you not only look at the, at the heart of David, let's pay attention to the warnings of Saul. Because in this passage that we just read, turn back to 1 Samuel 31. There's some warnings uh, that we see. Verse 6, what does it say? A tragic moment. Thus Saul died and his three sons 
and his armor bearer and all the men on that day, same day, together. I mean, Saul died. He had to watch his sons die. And then the only thought he had is, I've got I to end my life. I've got to commit suicide. That's the epitome of Saul taking matters into his own hands. And it's why we should never take matters into our own hands. Let's trust the Lord. And it says, verse 7, this tragic, dark moment when the men of Israel um, who were, uh, excuse me, and Saul died, his three sons, when the men of Israel who were on the other side of the valley beyond the Jordan saw that the men of Israel had fled and Saul and his sons were dead, they abandoned their cities and fled. And the Philistines came and lived in them. And then this tragic moment in verse 8, the, the next day they stripped Saul and his three sons, they cut off his head and they stripped his armor and they nailed him to a, to a wall. Nailed his body to a wall in Beth Shan. And when you think about Saul, when you think about his heart, the result of his life, the, the tragedy of his death, when you look closely at Saul's life, what you see is this, point two is this, fear and doubt, fear, doubt, and rebellion. It reveals the substance of Saul's heart. I mean, Saul is fearful. He is, uh, he is uh, doubting the Lord. He's rebellious against the Lord, and this is his heart. Chapters 27 through 31 point us to the climax of Saul's life in this dark moment. But I want you to flip over to 1 Chronicles chapter 10. Look at 1 Chronicles chapter 10, because though 1 Samuel 31 it's the climax of Saul's life. First Chronicles chapter 10, verse 13 and 14 tell us the reason Saul was killed. And it says this, So Saul died for his breach of faith. He broke faith with the Lord in that he did not keep the command of the Lord. He also consulted a medium seeking guidance. He did not seek guidance from the Lord. Therefore, the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, the son of, son of Jesse. So just like Samuel predicted, and, and, and Saul meets his end in chapter 31, and, and he sees his sons dying, and this, this route is devastating, and, and God's people are in a dark, dark place. And the book of Sam, 1 Samuel ends on this downer note where Israel is, they desired to have this king, and they, they sought their own success, their own plan. And it's such a devastating moment. And, and that's why it's important. Point three is so important for us. And I pray we don't miss it today in, in light of the differences of, our, of the way we're engaging today. But, but we need to pay attention to the warnings from a man who died without God. Look, we've got to pay attention to this. And you know, I debated today. Man, this seems like a harsh day. A day of uncertainty to, to should I talk about dying without God? But then as I prayed about it, the Lord said, Chris, you've got to tell the truth. You know, the fact is, there are many, maybe, maybe many that are watching today, that if you died today, the truth is you would die without the Lord. And you don't have to. And I want to just be in front of you. I want to come into your living room, into your kitchen, and passionately look at you and say, look, you don't have to. You can know the Lord. And Saul's problem, when you look at Saul's problem, it wasn't with the Philistines. 
Saul's problem was not with Goliath. It wasn't with David. Saul's problem was Saul, was Saul's own sin. At every turn, he trusted himself rather than trusting the Lord. So how can we learn from Saul? How can we avoid from going down the same road? If you're here and go, well, Chris, what do I do? How do I, how do I come to the Lord? Well, let's think about these three warnings in Saul's life. There are three things that I can see in Saul's life here. You know, one of the things, if you look at his story, and we've looked at his story for months now as a church, and, if you, and maybe this is the first time you're with us. Maybe you haven't been with us as we've tracked through the entire book of Sam, 1 Samuel. Well, let me just kind of give you some backtracks and backstory. When you think about Saul, Saul's, Saul's life was marked by this man who he kept religious practices without knowing God. I mean, I, mean, I know people that do that all the time. They are religious in their practices, but they don't know the Lord. Let me tell you something. God didn't call us to be religious. He called us to a relationship with him. And and, and there were times Saul fought the right enemy. There were times he kept the right rules. Uh, Saul prayed sometimes when he was in trouble. Uh, He went on missions to protect God's people. But, But even though he did some of these good things, the reality is Saul lacked a fundamental trust in the Lord. He lacked this desire to obey the Lord. And and I want to ask you a question. Um, Do you know the Lord? Have you been religious but not had a relationship with God? I know a lot of people that think religion will save them. And I just have to be honest with you and say it will not. That what saves us is Christ, is a relationship with God that's real, that's personal. That's personal. And see, you know, uh, I know a lot of people that, that just uh, have rejected the Lord. And here's what happened. When I came to know the Lord as my Savior, I, I surrendered to Him, and Christ saved me, came into my life. And, and He's moved me to obey Him. I don't obey the Lord to earn His favor. But because I've come to know the Lord, I'm drawn to obey Him. I'm drawn to God's people. I'm drawn to a relationship with Him. And see, Saul didn't have that. He kept these religious practices, but he didn't know the Lord. You know what comes to my mind? I want you to turn over to Matthew chapter 7. This is not on the screen, but Matthew chapter 7. It's one of the most jarring statements uttered by Christ. And and I want to just look at it today. In Matthew 7, verses 21, it says this. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare them to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And when I think about Saul, Man, there's a warning in his life that that we can't just go through the religious motions. We can't. You need a relationship with God. Another thing about Saul, when you think about him, he never repented. He never learned how to repent. And and see, you know, there there were times in Saul's life when he looked like a repentant man. He said he was sorry and he performed these actions. But but he had a false repentance. And here's how you can know you have a false repentance. If, if you come to Christ and say, well, I'm not really that bad. I'm really, you know, I'm a pretty good guy. 
You know, if we come to Christ with this if clause of, Lord, I'll serve you as long as I don't get the coronavirus. You know, some, we don't come to God on our terms. We come on His terms. And look, we come to Christ as a sinner, as someone that is in need of, of, of salvation. And has that been your story? Have you come to Christ in repentance and, and, and trusted Him? Have you, have, you, have you recognized the depravity of your sin? the depths of your wickedness. Because look, the world is trying to tell us that oh, we're okay. Hey, we're not okay. We are in desperate need of a Savior. You are in need of a Savior. And if you recognized your sin, I mean, in this moment, do you see that? Are you ready to come to Christ and repent? Because the tragedy of Saul, the tragedy of his life, he died as a sinner. And let me tell you something. You don't have to die as a sinner. You can die as a saint. And, and the day you draw your last breath, you can know that Christ is your Savior, your Lord. And, and, and you see, I want you to know this. The greatest threat to our culture right now is not COVID-19. I mean, people are acting like that's the greatest threat. Oh, if we can just get a cure for COVID-19. Folks, that's not our greatest threat. Our greatest threat in our world is sin and death. That's our greatest, that's our greatest threat. The greatest illness in the world is sin, sinfulness. And I don't want to forget that. I don't want to overlook that and on, on the first day that I'm preaching in a way that I've never preached before to a, to a, a, a packed church, but an empty room. Let me tell you something. Um, I want to come into your living room and help you see that the greatest threat to, to life is sin. And, and, and Christ is the answer to that. I mean, what does the Bible say? Isaiah 53, 5 and 6 says this. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that, that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. And the problem, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. But I want you to know this, but the Lord has laid on Christ the iniquity of us all. And folks, Jesus came. He went to the cross. And you need to recognize this, this incredible truth that, that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God like Romans 3.23 tells us, that we've all sinned, that we all have, have come to this moment where we are, we are in need of a Savior. You are in need of a Savior. And I want you to see what Romans 5.8 says. It says, but God demonstrates his love for us in this, that even though we were sinners, Christ died for us. And I want you to recognize the, the incredible news of that, of that, of that verse that God knew Chris Wall. God knew that I was going to be willfully disobedient. God knew that I was going to choose to just ignore his voice. God knew that there were times in my life that I would, I would just be disobedient just because I didn't know better. But yet, even though God knew that, God still, Christ, went to the cross for me and died for me. Because you know why? Because he knew that the wages of sin is death. 
but there's a gift of eternal life. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I want you to know that there is a gift that in this moment is extended to you. And that if you would come to Jesus, if you would turn to him, he would save you. He would not turn you away. If you come to Jesus today, he will not turn you away. And I want you to see this. And I pray you recognize this. If God is moving in your heart right now, do you know that if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Why? Because for with the heart you believe and are justified and it's with your mouth that you confess and you are saved. You know what? Um, I know this is a different day. But this is a day that God has moved us to the end of the book of Samuel. And we see this call of believers to trust the Lord. We see this warning of men and women that are that could, if they died today, that don't know Christ, they would die without God. You don't have to. And it's my prayer that today is a day of salvation for you. Right now, in this moment, there are people in our church that are ready to engage with you online. And, and we, we, will, we can talk to you. They can type. We have people that are ready if you speak Spanish. Um, we are ready right now to receive a phone call from you. There's a, there's a number, I think, that's on your screen right now. Um, you could send a prayer request by email. Look, our church is here to help you know this Savior that has transformed our lives, that is giving us hope in the midst of a hopeless moment. Let me tell you something. The Lord is, Christ is real. He is who he said he is. And he can save you. Oh, come to him today. That's my prayer. Lord Jesus, for those that are in, watching online right now, I pray that there's someone that knows in their heart, hey, this message is for me. I pray you'd give them the boldness and the strength to connect with somebody online from our church or, or call that number. Lord, thank you for your word to us. And would you speak to us and use our church in this time to bring hope, to overflow with hope by the power of your Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord, we trust you. We love you. We look to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.